Hello, you are welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel for yet another powerful, sobering, and inspiring word from God. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaluluma from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Today I'll be sharing a sermon I've entitled Rest with Jesus. Now, how many of you joined the how many of you joined the service on Friday, whether online or physically? I would I would advise you to if you never managed to join it, I would advise you to go ahead and do so and maybe go back to the videos and stuff like that because this is a continuation from where we ended last time. And last time, I took us through some of the physical pain that Jesus endured. And give me a signal when I can switch. I took us through some of the physical pain that Jesus endured. And today, I will take us through um, a bit of the other side of what our Lord Jesus endured. Okay, now I want us to understand rest in Christ Jesus, and it's a very simple sermon, and I really want us to get it. We went through some of the physical pain that Jesus went through, and um, oftentimes we underestimate the emotional side of what the Lord Jesus went through. And so that's the area that I would like to lead us in for us to have a clear understanding of what the Lord Jesus went through emotionally as well and not just physically. And so I want us to read Isaiah chapter number 53 and we're going to read from verse 4. This is called the gospel according to Isaiah. And it says, surely he has borne our griefs. Somebody say our griefs. And carried our sorrows. And then it says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Now, it's interesting that whenever we read this portion of scripture, we usually focus on the and by his stripes we are healed, or we focus on wounded for our transgressions. But there's sort of like a hidden part of the scripture which we normally overlook. Maybe it's because we don't know the meaning of the word chastisement. So, you know, sometimes in the Bible, when you're reading things that you don't know the meaning, you usually skip them. Like when you're reading on the works of the flesh, you remember adultery, but you won't remember lasciviousness. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> And so there's a very interesting statement there. It says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. I actually did a sermon last year called the chastisement for our peace. I would like you to take time to read it because it will show you how, you, how because of Jesus we have peace with God. And then we can have peace with men and we can have peace within ourselves. Praise God. But that's the part I want us to get. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. So here's what I want you to understand. Jesus, the word chastisement means punishment. 
the word chastisement means punishment. And so Jesus was punished so that we could have peace. He was punished so that we could have peace. So get that. The word chastisement means punishment. So when you're reading the chastisement for our peace, you can read the punishment for our shalom was upon him. And that's something I never want us to underestimate. Praise God. And so I want us just to see how exactly Jesus suffered emotionally. And let's go to Gethsemane and read Matthew 26. And I want us to read all the way uh, from verse 38. Then he said to them, now this is Jesus speaking, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Wait. Those were Jesus' words. Imagine Jesus says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. If somebody's soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death, then that zeal for life has really been affected. But it was that level where he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. It wasn't just sorrowful. It exceeded the levels. Next verse. He went a little farther and fell on his face, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. That's the Lord Jesus speaking. And he says, if it's possible, please. I don't want this. Let's go on. Then he came and found them sleeping. And said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Have you ever felt like even people who love you are not being there for you as much as they could have? Who said that for you need to do an investigation there. But I'm just saying, you're not the first one. Jesus experienced the same. And he says, guys, you couldn't watch with me one hour. And I'll tell you this. We will all always try our best to understand you. But there's a certain level you, you can't go with people. There's just a certain place that people can never reach you to the fullest. Because they would have to enter your heart and start dissecting. There's just a level people can never reach. They can try. Perhaps their words can push it, but there's just a place that Jesus had to find himself alone. Let's go on. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Continue. And that also shows you one of the reasons why sometimes people can never reach that level. It's the limitations of the flesh sometimes. What do I mean? Someone can say, I will always be there for you. They're not going to be with you 24 hours a day. They can come with you for a weekend, but then the next, on Monday, they'll have to go back. It's not possible for somebody to be there for you 24-7. But they can try, and their words can come for you in those moments. But then there are the limitations on the flesh. Like somebody can vow to be there for you, and they can genuinely be sad for you in a, in a sad moment. 
but they also have other things to be happy about. So they can, and, then, and if you're not careful, you can get offended that they're also happy about other things. <laughs> Praise the Lord. For example, somebody can sympathize with you. Maybe you didn't make it in a school year. They genuinely sympathize with you, but they're also happy that they made it. <laughs> and you can't blame them for <laughs> Their spirit is willing. <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Uh-huh. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Ever found yourself in a place where you're praying the same prayer? Let's continue. And then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. So the first thing Jesus went through was being alone. The second thing that he went through, now as we read the scriptures, is he wasn't accepted. He wasn't accepted. The Bible says he came to his own and his own received, and and they did not receive him. That's hurtful. And I want you to see if there's any place where you can relate with that. But he came to his own. It's like Joseph. Joseph goes to his brothers, bringing them food. And they decide to deal with him. Ever been there where you don't feel, where you, don't feel you belong? You just don't feel part? You don't feel you're accepted for who you are? Well, Jesus experienced it. And when you read in Isaiah, we are shown a bigger picture of some of the things he went through. When you read chapter 53, verse 3, you'll see a description of Jesus that sometimes, like I said, we overlook. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, the Bible says he's despised and rejected by men. What did that lead to? It says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. So Jesus experienced what it meant to be rejected. Jesus understands sorrows. The Bible literally says he's well acquainted with grief. He knows it very well. He's got a good understanding of grief because he's experienced it. Praise God. Let's continue. So number one, he was rejected. Number two, like I, ma- I mentioned, no, actually number one was he was alone. Number two, he was rejected. Number three, he was betrayed. He was betrayed. Judas betrayed him. Peter ghosted him. Let's be honest, Peter pretended he didn't know him. The things Peter had said to Jesus in the DM were very different from what he said in public. Yeah, we are searching. (laughs) Those who attended the Q&A know what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is, I want you to imagine this. Have you ever been betrayed? No, answer in your heart. <laughs> Someone might be sitting next to you and they're saying, eh. No, but what I mean is, and, and, and you know, I may be adding a bit of humor to this, but you know what I'm talking about. 
you know what I'm talking about. Where somebody should have given an opportunity to you, they decide not to. Or maybe there's so many things that we can imagine, but it's where somebody goes against your trust, goes against what you agreed. It hurts. And the Lord Jesus experienced the ultimate betrayal. It's one thing for the Pharisees to be saying ABC about you. It's another thing for the guy who you just, who you found, who you tolerated, because Jesus tolerated Judas for so long. Judas had a bad character for a while. You know that? If you've read from the scriptures, he used to help himself. That's what the Bible says. From the church treasury. That's why he was angry that that woman spent it all on Jesus. So it was greed manifesting in a different way. Sometimes greed can manifest as wisdom. So, don't you know that sometimes, sometimes people's emotions manifest differently, but they're just projecting something else. You know another example? Have you ever read on Martha and Mary? Do you remember when Martha said, Lord, me have been serving you the entire time. And then Mary is just there seated. Have you ever replied what Jesus, have you ever seen what Jesus replied? He replied, you are troubled about many things. Meaning that wasn't what was troubling her. She was just projecting it to that. It was projection. And perhaps you, you're in the place right now where you've projected some of your troubles to other things. And you're angry at people you shouldn't be angry at. And the whole world just hates you. No, they don't. I'm part of the world and I don't hate you, do I? Praise God. <laughs> and you know, you have to be careful with things like betrayal. You know why you have to be careful with things concerning emotions? Is that emotions like to keep their place. And if you've been betrayed, especially by somebody close to you, the Bible says when a, bro a brother is offended, it's hard to win. For they put fences, they put buildings. You can end up building up walls to secure. Now, when you enclose a virus, it can multiply. And here's what ends up happening. Most of the times, the reason why it's very difficult, it can be very difficult to help a person when they're depressed. I can tell you a few reasons why. Number one, it's very easy to exaggerate it. Let me tell you what I mean. The moment you sit and say, the world hates me. Now, you may be experiencing hatred from 20 people. But the moment you say, the world hates me, now the weight of 7 billion people will be on you. And it might be a little more difficult to cure 7 billion people than 20. And words are things. They produce... Suddenly, the words will attract the hatred of 7 billion people. That's overwhelming. Only Jesus could carry that. That's number one. So there is that aspect. And then the trouble with that is that the moment you are mentally experiencing 7 billion people and somebody is coming to advise you according to the 20 people they are seeing, then they don't understand. Then the walls will build up more. Then you know what will happen next? Next you start listening to that song by that person who understands. Then you know what happens next? The devil can even, can even quote a scripture for you. If he quoted for Jesus, he will just take you, Ecclesiastes, life is vanity. It's useless. 
it's useless. Don't you want to be absent from the body and present with the Lord? It's not like he wouldn't forgive you. Then you know what else happens? You, you really want me to go into detail? I can tell you. Here's what else happens. If you're not careful, you can become very sensitive. And what ends up happening is that the people who are supposed to help you, you can get offended at them. And the sad thing is that many people prefer, many people don't really like counseling. Let me explain. There's a difference between counseling and venting. Venting is one way. Counseling is, okay, you've said this, you've said that, you've said that. But what do you think about this? And the trouble is most, if you're not careful, you can, the depression can form a personality and then doesn't like counsel, but likes to vent. So suddenly those who are supposed to give you good advice become an enemy. Guess what? If you've been in that place, there's freedom for you today. And you know what I've just done? I've exposed it. So it's going to run out of tricks. <laughs> what else can it do to you when I've exposed it? So never, the, the, moment, the moment you get to a place where you start thinking, nobody loves me, don't even tolerate that. You are loved. We love you. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, okay. Let's continue. So Jesus experienced betrayal. And betrayal hurts. Have you ever felt betrayed before? Yeah. It hurts because you're like, okay, not that one. I would have expected that from that other one. You haven't pointed. <laughs> Let me not say what I was going to say. <laughs> but I'm, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's very funny, but we are live. So anyways... <laughs> But what about, when the life goes off, after you should remind me, I will say it. But betrayal can be very, very hurtful. And Jesus experienced the ultimate betrayal. And another way that he experienced uh, betrayal is through rejection. I mentioned not being accepted. He was alone. Betrayal by Judas, Peter, you know, people that he had raised. And then he experienced rejection. Jesus was rejected by the government. Like Pilate knew he was innocent. He was rejected by the religious leaders. These are the people who were supposed to be preaching the word of God to him. But you know what I think hurt the most? To be walking in the streets. Or maybe to be put up and he's now got no form or comeliness. No one wants to associate with him anymore. And these are the same people who a week before, we're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Same crowd. And then Pilate says, choose. Jesus or a thief? And they all say, we choose Barabbas. And then he's walking in the streets. He's being mocked. And then, who knows? I'm not saying this was the case, but who knows? Who knows? What if as he was going, one of the people who had an issue of blood and was healed says, What if as he was walking, 
Because the Bible doesn't tell us everyone who was healed. The Bible tells us that there was a time when as many as needed a healing, they just came and touched the hem of his garment. Some of them were in that audience. What if as he was walking and somebody is shouting and hurling insults, who knows, what if he turned and looked into the eyes of the very person he raised? What if, one, what if nine of them were from the ten lepers? What, what, what manner of rejection is that? How much hurt do you think that was? You know, we've probably all experienced small-scale mocking at some point, right? I, I know a bit of how it feels because I was always the youngest in class. So, But I can only imagine how it is. I remember once at Unza, I was in shock. I think my first year at Unza. And for an Unza student, don't you dare such a, do such a devilish thing. I was in shock. It was my first time witnessing the Unza elections. And I saw something so demonic, it still scares me. There were five, six candidates. Of course, they never picked on any of the rest. They picked on the number two. And there were more people. No one cared about the guy who won. They all left the guy who won. And they went for the number two and had a mock funeral. They, got a, they made a casket, they wrote RIP, they wrote the year he was born, and then they wrote the year of the election as the year he died. They killed a cat and said, put him blood on it. And then they, would have, they had a funeral program, speech from the mother, speech from the what, someone will come pretend to be the mother, someone, if you're Unza, put an end, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen that before. Put an end to that devilish stuff. It's hard enough someone has lost an election, you do a mock funeral for them. Put an end to that devilish stuff. Most of the guys were never the same afterwards. You couldn't see them walking through. Devilish. Absolutely devilish stuff. How can a person even be inspired to do that? Praise God. Anyways, maybe I've spent too much time as a student that I, I feel for. Even that issue of mocking first years or mocking grade eights or mocking grade tens. Don't do that. Someone has come and you, with all that authority that Christ has given you, can shout on top and start saying, you are going to fail, you are going to fail. What? You guys know what I'm talking about. Be the one who takes someone aside and says, look, I don't want you to go through what I went through. Approach this assignment like this and approach this like that. Praise God. Never do such demonic stuff. Anyways... (laughs) Jesus is well acquainted with this. We're living in a world now where there's stuff like cyberbullying, there's stuff like... And I've spoken to people who've experienced this stuff. It's very hurtful. What hurts them the most is some guy from nowhere. Okay, you don't like somebody's photo. It's, is it your business to go and type something about it? You gain what? And people are just projecting their very own insecurities on another person. Amazing. But Jesus experienced the ultimate rejection. He was rejected by the world, a world he came to save. And then in all that, he could still say, Father, forgive them. 
when we all got stones and hurled them at him, he said, Father, forgive them. Don't hold anything against them. He says they don't know what they're doing. And that's why you experience some of the highest levels of intimacy with God when you can be able to say the same thing. If you can be able to go on your knees today and forgive people, you'll be preparing a platform for high intimacies with God. Do you remember that Stephen in the Bible received a standing ovation from Jesus? Don't you think it could be because of his heart? Don't you think it could be because he said, forgive them? Who knows? What if Stephen praying, forgive them, is the reason why Saul got born again? Because doesn't the Bible say those whose sins you don't forgive won't be forgiven? What if Stephen had said, Lord, let none of them live? What do you think would have happened to the great apostle Paul? I pray today, before we take the communion, we'll be able to release certain people from our hearts and just say, Lord, forgive them. Just like, I forgive. And, and forgiveness can be so supernatural that sometimes you need to do it in prayer. No wonder it's in prayer that he said, when you're doing the Lord's Prayer, say, as we forgive. You may not be able to do it on your own, but somebody needs to forgive. I actually sensed that very strongly when I was coming today. Apart from that, the ultimate thing that, do you know that there's a horror movie? There was a horror movie for Jesus. There was one ultimate scene for Jesus that brought horrors in his heart, according to the scriptures. Can I show it to you? Hebrews 5, verse 7. For Jesus, this was the biggest deal. It wasn't as the pain was real. The rejection by men was real. But there was something else that brought Jesus shivers. The only thing that ever brought Jesus shivers. And here it is. It says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, notice this, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his godly fear. Somebody say the fear of the Lord. I will explain the fear of the Lord to you shortly. I will explain the fear of the Lord to you shortly. But do you know that Jesus' greatest, of all the attributes of Jesus, do you know that the one he delighted in the most is the fear of the Lord? Can I show you? How many of you have read in Revelations about the seven spirits of God? The seven spirits of God, or the sevenfold Holy Spirit, is described in Isaiah 11. Look at Isaiah 11 verse 1. Speaking of Jesus, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. Let's continue. Now, here's the seven spirits of God. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel, might, the spirit of knowledge. All of these seem like they are the most intriguing. I mean, the spirit of might, you can be able to do what Samson could do. The spirit of wisdom, you can be able to do what Solomon could do. The spirit of counsel, you can be able to do what Daniel could do. But then there's one more, and it says, and of the fear of the Lord. And when you look at the next verse, we are shown something interesting. And his delight is in the fear of the Lord. That's where his greatest delight is. 
And you, can, you know, you can see that reflected in his character. When I explain to you the fear of the Lord, you'll see that reflected in his character. You can see that from Luke chapter 10. The fear of the Lord, I'll show you what it means. Someone would say, is the fear of the Lord being afraid of God? No. The fear of the Lord is being afraid of being without God. Can I explain? Okay. I'll give you an example. Ideally, uh, if you watch sports, if you watch maybe, let's see, sports which have been dominated, um, maybe Usain Bolt at some point dominated athletics. There's that guy who dominates the F1 things. That stuff Shemaya watches. Um, what's his name? Hamilton. If Hamilton is on your team, there's a way you feel. If you're on the other team on the other hand, and you see Hamilton on the other side, there's a way you feel. Like some of us who watch football, when we check the lineups, do you know how good we feel when the guy we don't like, because he's too good, is injured? It brings relief. No, I'm, I'm, let me be honest with you. In case you didn't know, football fans need prayers. It brings relief. You're like, ha, at least he can't make it for this game. <laughs> it brings relief, I tell you. <laughs> why and then when that and then you find there's that footballer who was in the other team and you never liked him when he was in the other team when he comes to your team suddenly he's your favorite why it means you are afraid of being without him now you can see that for Jesus the greatest delight for him is that connection with God and you can see it from his teachings I was saying, look at Luke 10. Look at verse 18. Uh, let's start from maybe 17, 16, when the disciples gave him a report. We've gone all the way back. <laughs> Can we start 16, somewhere there, when the disciples gave him a report? Okay, 17. The 70 returned with joy. The disciples were so excited. And guess why they were excited? They were like, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I know that feeling. You know it. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever gone back home? You're at a meeting. All the ashes scampered. Yeah? Like a demon manifested through all the ashes. <laughs> then everyone turned to you. <laughs> and you gathered up all the courage in you saying, Lord... <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that's what happens now. There's, there's a strong conviction now. Those things don't. But there were days. They're like, mm, okay. <laughs> Where when you're going to pray, you're watching and praying. <laughs> least you receive a blow. <laughs> and you just walk there. And the day was like, no, not you, not you. And you're like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Your tormentor. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, I think years ago, I'm at a camp meeting. And so, you know, we're just like in a circle. And I was so new to spiritual things. I just say speaking in tongues. And then the, the, I, I made a mistake. I went to pray with the intercessors. And then from the intercessors, there were some people called brothers. So there was this brother who was leading us in prayer and said, for the next one or two hours, let's just speak in tongues. I'm like, do it. Yeah, I speak in tongues for like five, ten minutes. And you want to speak in tongues for one or two hours. You know what I mean? It was like a protocol overnight. <laughs> and so, 
And then you know what he does? He says we should be going around in circles like this so that nobody sleeps. And it was outside. And everything in me was thinking, what am I doing here? Come on, Fred, you're a cool Christian. What are you doing here? How was... And then next thing, someone fell in the circle. I was like, God, so I wanted to throw myself in the circle. I didn't know that she was manifesting demons. <laughs> and then this demon manifested. Not these ones went down. There was this demon that manifested. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. This, this person was literally roaring. like, and, and everything in me was just like, hey! <laughs> and by then, I had a theory in my mind. I thought when you're in a a session, the demon will look for the weakest person and enter. So I was thinking, is it me or that guy there? (laughs) And so that day I was thinking, Lord, let it not be me. (laughs) And I was getting excited because the guy looked like he was dozing a bit. And like I said, I didn't learn spirituals by then. So I was of the thought of watch and pray. At least it enters you. And the manifestation that day was strange. I've never seen that before in my life. The person goes and then runs at the circle. And it's like they hit a barrier, fell to the ground, and smoke started coming out physically. And then they turned to me. Hey! <laughs> I wanted one of the brothers to come stand in front of me. Like, look, I'm not a man of God. I'm still a boy of God. Like, just... <laughs> And then as they are charging at me, I had no English words. So I just went, Praise God. And then when that happens, all of a sudden, the, the person like fell over. Do you want to know what I did? I followed them. I now became the one in charge of the session. <laughs> the brothers had to tell me, no, hold on, it's okay. <laughs> what am I trying to say? These things are joyful. And so the guys came celebrating and said, do you know who I am? I can cast out devils. But then look at what Jesus says. First, Jesus shows them that they are not even at the highest level. Like, ah, you, you cast out demons. What about me? Verse 18. Yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Uh huh. And then he tells them, look, I've given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and to defeat all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Look at the next verse. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this. In short, that's not, that shouldn't be your greatest delight, but rather because your names are written in heaven. That's the fear of the Lord. Notice Luke 12. I'm just giving you a background so that you understand Hebrews 5 verse 7 properly. Luke 12, here's how the fear of the Lord works. Verse 4, and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that they have nothing more they can do. Next verse. But I will show you who you should fear. Fear him who can kill you home and away. Oh, sorry, that was my own translation. Fear him who, after he has killed the body, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say fear him. At that point, don't you think you would be a bit terrified? But then look at the next verse. And not five sparrows sold for two copper points 
and not one of them is forgotten before God. Next verse. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Notice the words now. Do not fear, therefore. You're of more value than sparrows. Doesn't that sound like a paradox? So here's the thing. If he's not on your team, hey, be afraid of him. But the fear of the Lord is to have this relationship with God such that you don't want to be without him. You can't do anything without consulting him. Your greatest delight in life is to have him there with you. That's what you should treasure. You must value your salvation above anything. Value your relationship with God above everything. Now, finally, Hebrews 5, 7. Now, look at it in this way. Now you understand why this was the worst Jesus experience. And give it to me from the Amplified. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions. That's why we have special prayers sometimes. For that which he not only wanted but needed. And supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out of death. Now, watch this. And he was heard because of his reverence towards God. What was that? His godly fear. His piety. In that he shrunk from the horrors of separation. Imagine that. For Jesus, the thought of separating from God was a horror movie. Because for once, he never called him father. For once, God had no choice but to look away. Because the covenant was, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquity will remember no more. But for that to happen with us, Jesus had to be punished. Salvation may be free for us, but it cost Jesus everything. And the ultimate one was when he looked up and said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachani. In short, my God, my God. Now he, it wasn't even my father, my father. It was my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God had to look away. I can imagine how that felt. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that we've got a high priest who knows what he's talking about. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, we're told that we've got a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. And in verse 15, we're saying, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So you may be saying, Apostle, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm heartbroken. He knows what that feels like. I understand what I'm going through. I was betrayed. He knows what that is. You don't understand what I'm going through. I have nothing. He knows what that is. You don't understand what I'm going through. My family did this to me. He knows what that is. His own people whom he created did that. And the same Jesus is saying to us today, like he said years ago, Matthew eleven twenty eight, he's saying, "Come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you Sabbath." And he's saying, "Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your." souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ladies and gentlemen, my sermon for today has been rest for your souls. Praise God. Rest for your soul. And we're now going to prepare to take communion.
And as we're preparing to take communion, allow me to say things, a few things about it. You, you can start. As we're preparing to take communion, I would want for everyone to participate in the communion. Jesus delights in us taking communion. But first, I want to ask a question. Someone may be saying, Apostle, I would want to do that, but I'm not ready. I don't think I'm saved. Or I think I've got this baggage that has to be dealt with. We can have an opportunity to deal with that. So if you're in this place and you're not born again, you've not given your life to Jesus. Jesus is not your Lord. And you cannot express that delight of knowing and having full assurance that your name is written in the book of life. What better gift to give Jesus on this day that he gave you his gift than your life? So my friend, is your name written in the book of life? Are you born again? Are you saved? If you're not sure, or this is not the case, or maybe you fell off, and this is the moment of rededication to the Lord, then before we take the communion, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. Lift your hands to the Lord. And I want you to say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came in the flesh. You died, you were buried, and you rose again. I give you my life. You are my Lord. Keep your hands lifted. Now in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Spirit. And how precious is that flow. Wow, what a service. I have been so blessed, and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com. Or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.